Welcome to another episode of Fear Not, the podcast that tells us why we are afraid of all the wrong things and oblivious to what can actually kill us. Trending fears this week. Beware lawnmower parents. New underwear is full of, uh, you know what? Trump halts medical research to appease pro-lifers. Kanye West says fear liberals. Barry's fear of the week? Online neighborhood vigilantes. And of course, our regular feature, Fear Florida. That and so much more coming up on Fear Not. Today is gonna be a good day. Don't care what anybody else say. Oh, I don't need a fortune cookie to tell me the way I'm feeling. Gonna be a good day. A good day. Welcome back to Fear Not. I'm Alonzo Bowden here with Dr. Fearbuster, my co-host, Barry Glasner, the world's foremost expert on fear-mongering. Hey, Alonzo. Barry literally wrote the book on fear. He wrote the book. It's an international bestseller, The Culture of Fear, Why Americans Are Afraid of the Wrong Things. Listen, I spend my career studying how and why people use our genetic predisposition to fear things, and they use it to manipulate us to take actions that we might not otherwise take. Now, there are some truly scary things happening out there in the world. But too often what happens is we're distracted from them by fear mongers. And what fear mongers are trying to do is make us afraid of things that advance their agendas. We're also here to answer your questions about fear. So let us know what's making you nervous. We're on Twitter at FearNotOfficial, or you can email us at FearNotOfficial at gmail.com. And while you're there, Click subscribe so you know when our episodes post. Let's get this thing started. All right, here we go. Headline number one. Lawnmower parenting is like robbing your kids. What is lawnmower parenting? What are they grinding these kids up in a shredder? Mm, Not exactly. (laughs) Lawnmower parents are helicopter parents on steroids. So these are the parents that are protecting their kids from reality. Like, it was it was bad enough they were getting trophies for doing nothing. Now they're clearing out the competition. Here's the way that a therapist defined lawnmower parenting, and I quote, when parents remove obstacles for their kids in hopes of setting them up to be successful. So they're literally mowing down obstacles to assure that their kids never have to deal with anything bad or potentially dangerous. Yeah, that's great if you're a rich parents and a rich kid. Well, they, they got to clear the path to make things easy for your kid. Just keep your kid at home. Actually, uh, that's not quite true. Rich parents are probably the worst in some ways, but it goes way beyond rich parents. I like the way that a high school teacher put it. Instead of preparing children for challenges, they mow obstacles down so that kids won't experience them in the first place. Right, and then they fired that teacher for being mean to their useless kid. Hold on, I'm going to get to that. Even at home, parents do this. You know, they'll wake the kid up all nice and sweet instead of just letting them be late and suffer the consequences, which is good for the kid. So here's another typical example. Teachers called down to the principal's office to pick up something that a parent had dropped off for the parent's kid, right? Now, the, the teacher figured that, uh, you know, it's an inhaler or it's, maybe it's money for lunch, some kind of important item, right, that the kid really needs. 
But no, it was one of those vacuum-insulated stainless steel water bottles. When I was a kid in school, if my parents visited the principal's office, the last thing I wanted to do was go to the principal's office. The thing about this story that also really gets me, this parent actually left work to bring the bottle to to her kid. This mom said the kid just kept texting all these whiny texts, and so the mom gave in. If I lived in that generation, like if I had a phone and texted my mom five times that I need my water bottle, she'd have come to the school and took my phone. Honestly, when I was a kid, my grandparents had a farm in South Carolina, and if you've ever been in South Carolina in the summertime, you know how hot and humid it is. When we arrived in June, my grandfather would give you a cup and he said, this is your cup. You, you lose this cup, you go thirsty. You had to protect your cup all summer. They, they were like, we're not washing a bunch of cups. That Things have changed. Somewhere, my grandfather is spinning. He's not even spinning in the grave. He will lead the zombie charge. He will get out of that grave and show up at school taking away water bottles. You know, it's just not like that anymore. These days, at a lot of schools, and it's not just the fanciest private schools, Parents will get emails uh, daily, really, about homework and attendance, test scores. And if kids make one small mistake, the parents know all about it. They know about it almost instantly. The problem is, and this is the change, back when I was a kid, if you, if you got bad grades, if the kid did something, it was the kid's fault. But now you have these parents who say, oh, my kid got bad grades. It's the teacher's fault. There was too much homework. The homework was too difficult. So let's take an example here. Everybody's heard about Lori Laughlin and her husband. And they're like an extreme example of lawnmower parenting. And they were willing to do just about anything to make sure that their precious daughter, Jade, got into the school of their choice, not her choice. So allegedly, in an attempt to keep her from making this huge mistake, they bulldozed her way into USC. Rich people paying to get their dumbass kids into college, they're in the way. This is what I was talking about. They, your dumbass kid don't want to go to college. Instead of spending millions of dollars to get your dumbass kid into college, just give the kid the money. I'm going to take it even farther. She pretended to be on the crew team. Do you know what that is? That's a team full of rich people. Like, you, you, you couldn't even fake being with other rich people. I should have faked being on the crew team. Why is the boat tilted? He's too big. Seriously, for a minute, I've worked in higher ed for a long time, and these helicopter parents and lawnmower parents are horrible for anybody who works in higher ed. You get them coming in and making all kinds of demands and everything special for their kid, and it drives the staff crazy. It drives the professors crazy. Well, here's my question, though. If you're working there, why can't you tell them, listen, the problem isn't the school. The problem is your kid. Your kid has bad study habits. Your kid is lazy or something. You know, why, why can't someone at the school tell the lawnmower, like throw a rock into the lawnmower, break the blade and say, listen, your kid is the problem, not us. Alonzo, what happens is if you try to talk back to these parents or even their kids, what they'll tell you is at a private university, you know, where the tuition's high, I'm paying all this money. You work for me. So, you know, what is the school supposed to do? I'll tell you what the school should do and what the professor should do is don't put up with it and just say, kid, you're in college now, and tell the parent, when it's appropriate, call us and we'll respond. Otherwise, don't bug us. Well, what I would do is take the kid, the fake crew team kid, and put him on the crew team and say, all right, row. Give him a couple of days of actual rowing. That'll, that'll, they'll be like, oh, wait a minute. I think I'll pay attention in class. Here are the facts. There are long-term 
long-lasting detrimental effects of lawnmower parenting. The kids never learn important life skills. They don't learn things like how to ask for directions, how to deal with coworkers and work for bosses and all that. They have a hard time even just making a decision, whether it's a big decision or a small decision, doesn't matter. The worst part of this is that they're never allowed to fail. And so they can't cope when they do fail. And, and you know, what's really important here is they don't know how to learn from failure, right? So I don't know if you remember that, that famous uh, uh, Nike commercial, what Michael Jordan said. Here's what he said about failure. I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I've failed over and over and over again in my life. And that is why I succeed. So imagine if Michael Jordan had had lawnmower parents. Well, that's the thing. He wouldn't have lawnmower parents. See, the, the, Michael Jordan earned his. That's what these kids, these kids have never had to earn anything. You know what happens to them? They become president. Trump is the ultimate lawnmower kid. And this is why I say, go away. I have no sympathy for these kids. No, they're not going to learn about real life. But you know something, Barry? They're never going to live in real life. Lawnmower parents, I'm going to tell you where I stand. Fear or fear not. Not only don't I fear them, I truly don't care about them or their dumbass kids. Okay, so I don't know if that's a fear or a fear not. Maybe I fear them and their dumbass kids entering society, but it'll never happen. I say fear not the lawnmower parent, but if you're the son or daughter of one of them, tell them to stop doing it because they're not helping you out. Here's headline number two. Trump halts all research at NIH using aborted fetal material. Okay, let me stop you right there, because I think I can predict that an academic like you, Dr. Barry, is not happy about any research being halted. But putting aside the fact that I do a lot of research and that scientific research has been, let's, you know, not to overstate it, essential to the advancement of humankind— Putting all that aside, let's look at the subtleties. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're going to put aside that scientific research has been used for the advancement of mankind. Like, the, the, you can't just put that aside. I'm saying let's get to this story. All right, I'm listening. It's a textbook case of how people find hot-button issues like abortion, and they use those for their own advantage to forward their agenda. They do it through fear. So here's the backstory. This headline is from the New York Times, but it was widely reported all over the place. The White House announced that the federal government severely cut funding for medical research that uses tissue from voluntarily aborted fetuses. Now, that that term voluntarily aborted is a key to this. The White House is doing this mainly by canceling research that the U.S. government sponsors through the National Institutes of Health and that often goes on, you know, in partnership with major research universities. And they're doing it by executive action. That means that Trump himself ordered it. Simultaneously, the Department of Health and Human Services, DHHS, announced that it was canceling a multi-million dollar a year contract that dates back to 2013 with UC San Francisco 
in which they use fetal tissue to try to find a cure for HIV. Okay, Barry, I've been listening to you, and I've been biting my tongue through the whole thing, because here is the problem. It's very simple. Stop dumbing down the world for idiots, okay? Listen, science. The scientists do research. Scientists know what they're talking about. You, you can't dumb down or stop science because, well, I believe in Jesus, and Jesus says it's bad. There are a lot of strong opinions about this. The reaction was really loud on both sides of this. The New York Times article had several hundred comments online. All right, here, let me just give you two of them. The fact that we are using aborted babies for anything other than respectful burial is truly horrifying. So now there's a law forbidding declawing of cats, but we're dissecting human children. What's wrong with us? Have we truly lost our soul? And from the other side, they say, here's a quote from another person who commented, I had cancer. It was cured by medical research and by science that was unavailable 50 years ago. I want doctors and scientists making my medical decisions, not religious zealots. Okay, so here's what we do. If you worried about protecting your soul and you want to meet Jesus, like you're going to meet him sooner, you get no benefit of scientific research. You don't. You, you can't take any medication. You can't have surgery. You can't do anything that scientists have discovered. These people want the benefits of science. They want the benefits of modern science, and it, but they come across with this. You're worried about the soul? No. You, you know what? Tell them soul. Oh, that's like soul music that black people listen to, <laughs> and then they'll hate it. They'll be, wait a minute, I don't want a black soul in me. These. Let me let me tell you a little bit more about this story. There was that viral video back in 2015 that purported to show Planned Parenthood officials talking about illegally selling fetal tissue from abortions. That set off a whole new round of audits, and the DHHS referred to those uh, when it was stopping the research at the UCSF uh, research labs. What I find interesting about this is there was no mention of any findings about how they got the fetal uh, material that was used here. And that 2015 video of Planned Parenthood, it was investigated by all kinds of states and no wrongdoing was found. Right. And this is the pro This is why you cannot argue with these people, because they come up with a fake, just make up a fake story about Planned Parenthood is stealing or selling aborted fetal tissue. And then that's proven false. Then they say, nah, we don't believe that. You can do 200 investigations showing it's false and they'll just say, we don't believe it and shut it down. So, so this is why I say you cannot bring science to this group of people. Let me get to the facts here. It wasn't until Bill Clinton took office in 1993 that anyone could even do any research in human fetal tissue. And that reversed a ban that was put in place by Reagan and by Bush one. So yeah, right, that's where it comes from. So the standards and the guidelines for voluntary donation of fetal material, it turns out, and this is an important point, they're actually very strict. Right? It's a lot like organ donation. A woman having an abortion decides well before the actual procedure how she'd like uh, to have her fetal material disposed of. And so it's 100% voluntary, and it's directed by the patient, not by the doctor or the clinic. There was a time when people were against organ donations, right? So, you know, it's like these okay. things just go on and on. Let me jump in right there. Don't say there was a time. That still exists. And, and I'm going to tell you, it's very interesting you bring up organ donation because I'm an organ donor. I donated a kidney to my brother. 
and the people who work with organ donation asked me specifically to speak to the black community about this. There's a lot of paranoia in the black community about organ donation because they said, if I sign up to be an organ donor, I go to the hospital, they're going to let me die so they can harvest my organs. Now, that might sound ridiculous, except that the government historically has done numerous scientific experiments on black people, which, by the way, these anti-abortion experimenters had no problem with with the syphilis experiment on black people. That didn't count. So I, I can almost understand more people's fear of organ donation than than this abortion thing. I'm glad that you're doing that work, let me say, first off, of explaining that to people. It's important stuff. But the actual impact of these actions is what we really need to look at. And whether we should be really afraid or fearful about Trump doing this kind of thing, NIH's budget, the total budget of National Institute of Health is $37 billion a year. Now, how much do you think is being spent on research using fetal tissue? I don't know. About 100 million. That was 37 billion versus 100 million, less than one half of 1%. And the UCSF program was only 2 million of that. So it's a tiny percentage of the overall program. And in fact, according to DHHS, out of about 3,000 active projects that the NIH has, only three use fetal tissue. Is it a bad thing they're doing it? In my opinion, yes. But here is what I think is really important. What's happening here through Trump's action is it encourages researchers to take their work to private companies or to countries elsewhere, right? Talk about shipping jobs overseas. That's where the research is going to go. Other countries are more than happy to develop the cures and to patent them and then to sell them back to us at huge expense. So most of this is just what it looks like, right? It's pandering to the conservative base. Okay. I I get what you're saying about they take away this money. It isn't a lot of money, but that's not the point. The point is anytime they, they, chip away at scientific research, it grow, it continues to grow. They continue to shut down research. But you also gave the perfect way to put a stop to this. Just tell them that, you know, China's going to be better at it than us. Mexico's going to be better at it than us. And they'll lose their, oh my God, we got to shove more money into it. You know, it, this, when you talk about fear or fear not, okay, I'm going to tell you where I stand on this. I fear shutting down any sign. I don't care if it's $5. I fear shutting down any scientific research based on people's religious beliefs. Exactly. I say fear not this particular one, but I'm with you completely. What if by cutting that money to the UCSF researchers, what if it has an effect actually? And what that effect is, is that uh, they don't get that cure for HIV, right? What if because of this little change, that doesn't happen or it doesn't happen as fast as it should. That would be terrible. Headline three, beware tainted underwear. I am so happy that we're doing the story. All right, go on, Alonzo. Your fellow doctor, Dr. Oz, has done it again. This time he wants us all to fear our underwear, in particular wearing new underwear without first washing. I'm the anti-fear doctor. Don't go lumping me in with the fear-mongering ones. All right, but anyway, what, what did the great and powerful Oz do this time? So you know Dr. Oz likes to conduct pseudoscientific experiments on his show. It's usually involving some sort of gross bodily fluids because there's ratings in bodily fluids. Now he's taking on the subject of underwear. 
You think your clean underwear is clean, but what I found tells me a different story. Listen to this. A third of all the underwear we tested was contaminated with dangerous bacteria. And what we found is finally ready to be exposed to America. Wow, it scared even Oz. You can actually scare Dr. Oz, I guess. Dr. Oz brought in a PhD in microbiology and pathology from NYU, and they tested a bunch of underwear from across the U.S. Lo and behold, they found all kinds of stuff, from bodily fluids like blood to even feces. Of course, the whole studio audience was grossed out, and that gave Dr. Oz a chance to tell us before we wear our new undies or bathing suits, we need to wash them in 140-degree water or hotter, or else something bad's going to happen. The way we got this story, by the way, Alonzo, is a uh, friend of mine. You were trying on a thong. <laughs> Don't know. give me that friend uh, of yours. Right, you were right, trying on right. a thong. All right, and... all right. <laughs> <laughs> a woman friend of mine was getting her car repaired, and what was on the TV was Dr. Oz, and it was this segment. And she texted me, and she said, you got to do this on the podcast with Alonzo. And then we looked at the clip, and, you know, here's a, here's a studio audience full of women who are really freaking out about it. And, and I understand that because, you know, if you're in a department store or any other kind of store, you see that it's a little different than for us guys, right? You bring your own in and see how it looks on you, right? What is this, Barry? All right, let me get into the facts. Uh, there are health laws that require people when they're trying on underwear or swimwear to wear their own underwear underneath. Um, I haven't tried that. Doesn't seem especially comfortable, I gotta say. Barry, the idea of you trying on a thong doesn't seem <laughs> very comfortable. All right, can we get away from that? You know, it probably doesn't matter very much whether you have your own underwear on it or the other underwear or not, because the truth is viruses and bacteria don't live long enough outside the body to transfer from one person to the next. Getting an STD or some other virus from underwear uh, it's probably even more remote than uh, from a dirty toilet. While you can't get an STD from underwear, there is, okay, a slim chance that you could get some kind of creepy crawly thing like crabs, or if you have extremely sensitive skin, you might get a rash. Do you know something? I got crabs. Where? Nordstrom? No, you didn't. <laughs> you didn't get crabs at Bloomingdale's. Who the hell are you lying to? Get this. Our research team looked into what else the NYU professor said about his research. And this is a quote. It's important to wash your underwear to dilute the potentially thousands of chemicals used in the textile manufacturing process. Each of these can cause itchy contact dermatitis, irritant dermatitis, and vulvatitis, uh, or swelling of the vulva. And then he ended it with, the incidence of deleterious effects from new underwear is low, but so is the amount of effort it takes to avoid those effects altogether. One good wash will eliminate the bulk of germs and chemicals on a garment and keep you safe and comfortable, and a second run through the laundry can't hurt. I know one guy, when he travels, he doesn't wash his underwear. He just buys new ones. He buys the bulk pack of, like, underwear at the 99-cent store, and he wears them once and throws them away because he said it's cheaper than going to the laundromat and, you know, when he's on the road and stuff like that. And, and yeah, women buy underwear different than men because women care about how they look in their underwear. They, they do. They're going to try them on and this and that. But here's, here's an, and this is another reason I don't fear it, because women are, are far cleaner and more sanitary 
in that area than men are. So I don't think they needed Dr. Oz to tell them. I'm going to do my own poll. I'm going to ask women that I know. I'm going to say, hey, when you buy new underwear, do you wash them before you wear them? And then they're going to ask me what websites I've been on. But anyway, I'm going to find out. I'm going to do my own research on this. But I say don't fear dirty underwear in the store because women habitually will wash them before they wear them. Fear or fear not, I say fear not. Look, just pick them up and look and see if there's anything on them, which is kind of what the good professor researcher was saying anyway before you try them on. Not only do I not fear dirty underwear, I'm aware of eBay sites that sell them. I'm just saying, (laughs) I've heard. But for the record, guess which city Alonzo had the dirtiest underwear? This is a contest where the loser might actually be the winner. Um, In Miami, I don't even think they wear underwear, so I'm going to go with L.A. You got it, L.A. Yeah. Down in Florida, we welcome you to the Sunshine State. We're kicking back and soaking up the rays every day in Florida. It's time for Fear Florida, and I could not be happier that this segment is becoming one of our most popular. It's the one I hear the most about from all of our listeners and friends. Today's headline, Florida man finds soiled underwear in food order. When it starts with a Florida man, I will believe any statement that follows. According to Newsweek, a guy we only know as Leo was at a hotel in Miami for a convention. He got hungry, and he called Uber Eats about 10 o'clock at night to order a little Japanese food. Now, this Leo, he says he went down to the front of the hotel, and the driver, a woman, handed him a plastic bag uh, that uh, he thought she was kind of acting suspicious when she did it. He took the food up to his room. Along with his food, he found something else. And now I'm quoting Leo. I thought this sure is a fancy napkin. So it turned out to be a pair of boxer briefs complete with skid marks. And Leo threw the briefs back into the bag, called Uber, the restaurant, and the cops. I wonder who they were supposed to be for. You know what I mean? Like, that's what happened. Those were being saved for somebody. That was going to be a prank or something done to somebody, and poor Leo got the wrong delivery. Uber sent a statement to Newsweek explaining that it had given Leo a full refund. (laughs) I love that. Uh, And noting that the suspect delivery driver had no prior complaints against her. Yeah, because you want your dirty underwear delivered by a five-star driver. In Uber's defense, Uber could have said, well, at least the driver didn't beat you up. They just delivered dirty underwear. For us, that's an improvement. What they actually said was, the courier has been removed from the app pending investigation. Ooh. There's one more thing about this story, Alonzo. Our producers, both of them, think that this guy did it so he could get free food. I would say that if it weren't Florida. (laughs) Any other state, this might have been a hustle to get free food. But in Florida, they delivered dirty underwear with your food is a totally legitimate story. Right. Fear Florida. Are you ready for headline four? I can't believe I'm even going to quote this political genius, Kanye West. But here goes. This is from Kanye. Liberals bully people who are Trump supporters. It's not just calm. So saith Yeezy. Fear liberals. They are the bullies. Hey, wait, wait, wait. Before, before you go on, just let me say one thing. 
Kanye is a genius at one thing, and that's getting attention. Okay, here's the story. Kanye was interviewed by David Letterman on a Netflix show, My Next Guest Needs No Introduction, which is a great show. And near the end of the interview, Letterman gets around to Kanye's Trump support. Listen to the clip. Have you ever been beat up in your high school for wearing the wrong hat? I've just been beat up because people didn't like me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I know, what you're, I know yeah. what you're saying. The idea is the bullying. Who's the bully in this scenario? Well, definitely liberals bully people who are Trump supporters. It's not just calm. You can't just go and wear the hat. You can't just go. It's like, fuck you. The reason Kanye likes Trump is because they're the same person. They're the same person. They will do anything for publicity. They will say anything for publicity publicity and all they want to see is their name on the front page and then cry oh well you know i suffer from mental issues yeah i don't give a shit you know why because somebody with a sprained ankle doesn't run up and down saying oh my ankle hurts my ankle hurts my ankle hurts no you know what they do they stay off the ankle so stay off a microphone. If you got mental issues, if you're having a bipolar episode, then go somewhere and, and work with a doctor on your bipolar episode. Don't come out here talking like somebody should give a shit. I think we're going to have to disagree on this one. I'm in favor of anybody who can draw attention to mental health issues and, and, and how we might be thinking about them a little better. I'm with you about, about his, his him if publicizing If Kanye's everything. against bipolar, you know what? I'm for bipolar. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's how much I give a shit about Kanye. Suddenly, I'm pro-mental illness. Okay, enough about that. Let's get back to the claim that, that this was, you know, that got all the attention about liberals being bullies. I don't know what you hear. The main, the main complaint I hear from liberals about liberals is that they don't bully enough. Let me tell you, sir, if a liberal is a bully, then you're afraid of kittens. Liberals, they, they don't know how to fight. They don't know how to get into a dirty fight. Again, this has nothing to do with anything except Kanye wanting publicity. What Kanye's calling bullying is black people telling him you're full of shit because you're kissing the ass of a racist. That's what hurt his feelings. He cut, black people say, fuck you, Kanye. How are you going to sit up there and kiss Trump's ass and then try to sell us music or talk to us? Go fuck yourself. That's what he's heard about. And you want a black person saying, fuck you, Kanye? You got one right now. I got to ask you a serious question. What do you think of Kanye? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right, look, I got to put on my... Uh my researcher had here, right? I actually looked to see, is there research on this? And I, I did this for reasons, not because of what Kanye said, but because you hear this a lot. Conservatives, this is one of their talking points on Fox News and all over the place online, that liberals are bullies, liberals are always beating up on them and insulting them and all that. As near as I can find, there's no research on whether liberals are more bullies than conservatives or conservatives are more bullies than liberals. I will tell you this from my own experience, and this isn't scientific, just anecdotal, but when I give talks, it seems to me it's about equal, actually. Uh, and this is what I mean. If, if, if I say something uh, that criticizes what liberals believe, uh, they try to bully me, no question about it. Um, and the same thing with conservatives. And I do know one thing from uh, college campuses, conservative students who go to very liberal colleges, uh, they do feel bullied sometimes by their liberal and progressive classmates who won't take them seriously, you know, in classes and that kind of thing. So I think that, that you know, there's probably something to that. Well, no, there isn't. And, and I'm going to tell you what the big difference is. The big difference is when conservatives claim they're being bullied, you know what they claim bullying? When they tell a lie and you call them a liar, 
They say they're being bullied. They ignore the fact that they told a lie to begin with. So no, it's bullshit. It's false equivalency. This is the problem. There's a false equivalency between what the left does and what the right does. It is not the same thing. Now, when it comes to Kanye, and this, this is where I got to tell you, Barry, this is a black thing. And it, it honestly, this is a very important thing in the black community, okay? When a person who is in a leadership position, and by leadership I mean has a louder voice as Kanye, millions of followers, millions of people listen to him, and you endorse a racist, that is an insult directly to the black community. So are you being bullied? If you didn't have security, you get your ass whipped. It would go beyond bullying, but it, it is an absolute insult to the black community. No, you cannot sit up there and endorse Donald Trump when Donald Trump has been proven repeatedly to be a racist over and over in all these different ways, and you're going to say, hey, you're bullying me for supporting him? No, fuck you. You want to support him? Then you take all the heat that comes with supporting him. Really where he was coming from specifically about this, I think, Kanye, is he wears those uh, Make America Great MAGA hats right around, and somebody comes up to him and and gets on him, right? Says, fuck you, you know, and, and gets on his case about the hat. Is that bullying? No, you do that when you put the hat on. He put, see, this is the point. He put the hat on to get that attention because he wants you to get in his face so that he can go on TMZ and play a victim or some shit like that. No, with with Kanye, it's all bullshit. It's all master media manipulation. I got to do a spoiler alert. Next week on the podcast, Fear Not, special guest, Kanye. Ah, smack the hat off his head. (laughs) Fear Not, liberal bullying. It is time for the segment, and and I absolutely love this segment every week, Barry's Fear of the Week. Okay, Barry, what's gotten to you this week? This week, I'm really afraid of the modern equivalent of the neighborhood vigilante, because that's what's going on. It's going on online, and it's dangerous, because they're whipping up needless fears that don't need to be there. I, I know what you mean. I happen to have a ring doorbell, and when you have one of these doorbells, you get in the network, like you can check your house but you also get all these reports from the neighbor and it's always suspicious person seen walking by suspicious person in my driveway or suspicious coyote chasing my dog it's not good for the neighborhood it's not good for the country it's not good for neighborly relations not good for the people themselves not good for anybody see that's why i go old school across the street from me is the nosy neighbor This lady looks out the window all day and all night. If anything happens, she's on it. I had furniture delivered once, 7 o'clock in the morning. Not only did she come out to see where the truck was parked, she actually looked in the truck to see what was coming out of it. That that's old school. Let's get down to, to, to the reality of this thing. Violent crime, it's been declining for the last 25 years. It's at the lowest rate in decades. And yet, what's happening? People are afraid of crime. People are turning to fear-based social media apps, trying to keep up to date, minute by minute, on all the activity, criminal, uh, not criminal in their neighborhood. And the apps are unfiltered. They're unedited. And way too often what happens here is that they're full of stereotypically racist rants about people of color. There have been people, who, researchers who studied this. They really? T- oh, it's shock, isn't it? Doesn't Imagine that shock that. you? So what they do is they take advantage of all these cameras, 
you know, that we have installed on our homes everywhere, supposed to make us feel safer and more secure. It doesn't do that, by the way. But what this is, it's just unfiltered live fear mongering. Right. It's the fear of other. So there's a black person walking through your neighborhood and they're a suspicious character or you should be afraid of them. You know what? I'll tell you why this is dangerous, because someone thinks they're doing the neighborhood a favor the first time they shoot at one of these suspicious characters walking down the street. Other than that, it's just paranoia and stupidity, which I could give a shit about. If you're somebody who's sitting in your house and you're watching these things or you're out and you're watching them on your phone, it makes you more afraid of your neighborhood, right? Now, I agree with a professor at Michigan State who's researched this. This is what he said. There's very deep research saying if we hear about or read a crime story, we're much more likely to identify a black person than a white person as the perpetrator, regardless of who actually committed the crime. So as people get more and more of their news and their information from social media and from these kinds of apps, uh, there's going to be more dependency on crowdsourcing. It means there's going to be more racism. It means that there's going to be more fear and it's going to be completely out of control. Well, it's always amusing to me when white people do a study to find out something that black people know. <laughs> the fear on this is not the apps. I don't care if you sit around looking at these apps all day and you're scared to leave your house. The fear is the psychos who will act upon this as vigilantes and shoot the black or brown person walking through their neighborhood. That's my fear. So fear, fear not these apps. I think you say don't fear the apps. Fear the people with the guns in their homes are going to do something. Yeah, it, it's, it's almost like a secondary thing. It's like I don't fear the app. I fear the reaction because of the app. Although these same people, they were the neighborhood watch people who were walking around looking for somebody to shoot in the neighborhood, you know, so so that's that's what I fear. I don't fear the app. I fear the vigilante. And I fear both because fear mongering is rampant. The last thing we need is these apps making it worse every minute, every hour, everywhere in every neighborhood that has them. We're almost out of time, but every week Barry and his crack research team dig for a story that has gone viral. One that is so ridiculously outrageous that it sounds too stupid to be true. And today we're adding a new feature, Alonzo, to our nightcap. So we're going to turn this into a little bit of a game. All right, here's how it's going to work. You have to tell me if this headline is something to fear because it's true or fear not because it's bogus. Okay, so this is like bluff the listener on wait, wait. Here's the headline. Trump has been giving out fake diamond cufflinks for years. Fear or fear not? I believe that he's giving away fake cufflinks. Yeah, then I think it's true. All right, here's the story. According to the New York Post, Trump has been handing out diamond cufflinks as presents for years. Allegedly, he gave such a pair to uh, actor Charlie Sheen, for an example, as an early wedding present and told him that they're platinum and diamonds and that they're from one of New York City's leading jewelers, Harry Winston. So that's, that's the way the story goes. Yeah, it's a lie. In the interview for the BBC, Charlie Sheen says that he took the cufflinks to a jeweler to have them appraised. And after four seconds looking through a jeweler's loop, she told Sheen, in their finest moment, this is cheap pewter and bad zirconia. And they're stamped Trump as well, so at best they're worth about $100. Yeah, I believe that. He wouldn't give away real diamond cufflinks to anybody. No, of course it's fake. You know how disappointing it is 
Charlie Sheen's got a drug habit to support. And now you take the cufflinks to the to the store and you find out they're fake. That's taking advantage of the man. Alonzo, what do you think? Is it true or false? The fact that Trump gives away fake cufflinks, absolutely true. This one is true. Okay, I'm going to be afraid of Trump giving me diamond cufflinks. I'll put that on my list. Today is going to be a good day. Don't care what anybody else says. If you like what you heard, hell, even if you hated what you heard, hit the subscribe button and tune in every week. Give us a five-star review to help us rise on the charts. And as always, if you hear news stories that make your hair stand on end or they sound like someone is trying to fill you with fear, send them to us at fearnotofficial.com or tweet us at fearnotofficial. And we'll see if we can uh, find the truth. Let us know what you're scared of. Fear Not is a Stone & Company entertainment production hosted by Alonzo Bowden and Dr. Barry Glasner. Executive produced by Scott A. Stone. Produced and edited by Adam Everest. Written by Scott A. Stone, Barry Glasner, and Adam Everest. Alonzo writes stuff too. Don't believe him. Our sound engineer is David I. Legal Beagles, Loeb & Loeb. Crack accountants are 10-key accounting. Special thanks to Gary Brown, Betsy Amster, and Adam's imaginary girlfriend.